Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Um, this is Annie Tan. She's a, a teacher, activist, and storyteller hailing from Chinatown, Manhattan. And um, she's been featured in the New York Times and Moth Radio. So Annie, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Sorry, I interrupted you right there. <laughs> totally. I mean, this is a back and forth, so there's no, there's no apologies for that. So just tell me a little bit about yourself, where you teach, what grade you teach, how long you've been teaching, and just about you as a teacher to start, get started. Okay. Uh, I am in my eighth year as a special education teacher. I teach uh, fifth grade right now in Sunset Park. Um, and, uh, you know, I was born and raised here in Chinatown in Manhattan, where I'm currently quarantined. Uh, safely, uh, thank goodness. And, you know, just, I am a special education teacher of English learners, because as a kid of immigrants myself, um, I know how important it was to have teachers who looked like me and who uh, understood that I spoke a different language at home and had a different culture at home. And so I really wanted to represent that as a teacher. Great. And so um, tell me about, so you were in, you, I, I'm just, so you're also a storyteller and an activist. Yeah. Can, you, can you talk about your work in activism? Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about storytelling in a second, but I want to hear about like you as an activist too. Absolutely. So I used to teach in Chicago. So I taught there for four years and then moved back here to New York City uh, to be closer to my family, which I am so grateful for right now during this pandemic. Um, that, you know, I'm able to help my parents get their prescriptions and uh, they can cook me food. And oh, that's great. I can... You're living with your parents? No, uh, they live in a different place, but I can uh, deny their food and say, no, stay home. Do not uh, go outside. Um, no, so uh, I initially started storytelling right after Donald Trump was elected, um, thinking that there were so many you know, different ways to express like how I was feeling, but I realized there were just stories inside me around activism work, around organizing around special education, around public education, around teachers unions, uh, around Chinatown tenants where I live. Um, and there were all these stories that I've had in me and I just wanted to start telling them. Um, and three years later, I'm still telling stories, which is really exciting. That's amazing. Well, I've seen your stories and you're a great storyteller and I was lucky enough to have you in one of my storytelling shows. So yes, that was a lot of fun. Well, tell me like, well, let's just get started with like, how are you doing through all of this? Like, how are you surviving this? Like you're, it's, it, how's your family doing? Mm -hmm. um, my family's fine. Everyone's fine and healthy at the moment. Uh, my mom is walking outside with masks. Um, we were lucky enough to get some shipments from our cousin in Seattle um, because otherwise we wouldn't have any masks. Um, in terms of my own sanity, I think everyone's feeling a little insane and crazy right now because we're living in crazy times. Um, I myself had a big old cry last night at like 1am because uh, I just felt the weight of remote teaching and, you know, trying to 
be that teacher for my students when my students and their families are going through so much right now um, and just trying to process it all in a way that is safe and respects how my body is doing. Um, it's, it's been a lot for sure. I think this week it was supposed to be spring break um, and I was very much looking forward to here in New York just taking a week and breathing and processing uh, the grief that I have. And when Andrew Cuomo took that away and then Mayor Joe de Blasio took Easter and Passover also away, it just felt like so many blows. Yeah. It's not just you. It's like, we all feel that way. I mean, I think that I just, part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is that I don't think anybody's really heard what teachers are going through. I think no. we're, we're hearing from our um, government and we're hearing from, you know, uh, the media about how, you know, it's the teacher's job to really be there for the children and to keep the children inside and keep them learning. But I'm wondering who's taking care of the teachers. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm very lucky to have such great students, first of all. Um, they're, they're just so caring. And, you know, whenever we go on our live Google Meet chats, which used to be Zoom chats because uh, the DOE canceled Zoom chats maybe a week ago, um, which was very annoying to try to switch platforms. Um, I think it was just, it's just been extremely hard to meet conflicting uh, expectations that have been changing over and over and over again while students are dealing with family losses like you know parents have lost jobs um, I just found out today one of my students lost another relative staff members are losing um, relatives right now and it is it is so much and to not have a spring break to really mourn our losses um, in the name of us giving assignments to students and checking in on them just makes me feel like one, like Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio have no faith in, you know, families and students right now in their ability to stay home. Um, and two, like really it's racist and coded language saying that we can't trust our students on the streets um, because, you know, public school students are mostly black and brown. Um, and, you know, it's just, the assumption during a pandemic is just completely unfounded and offensive in my mind. So for now, teachers to take on this uh, challenge, when we are also mourning, when many people are parents and trying to raise their children, uh, when students you know, are sharing multiple devices, um, and there are students, you know, one-tenth of uh, public school students are homeless. A number of my students still don't have technology or internet, regular internet access at home. It is, it is just overwhelming. And the message that has been told to us by the governor and by the mayor is that productivity is king right now. And it is, it's asinine to me to really think that, that you know, we're going to make kids do assignments on Google Classroom, which, by the way, is a platform we have never used before yeah. and had to figure out in like five or six days. Yeah, so I wanted, to ask, I wanted to ask you, so how was the transition to this for you? Because it is it was very chaotic where I teach. Yes. And so I'm curious what your 
what your experience has been with it? So I think that the mayor and the chancellor could have totally done some planning around this, knowing that schools would possibly close given the writing on the wall from China and from Italy and from all these other countries that had already started closing schools um, to start handing out technology um, and to start um, teaching kids how to use these platforms in the first place because our kids didn't ever use Google Classrooms. Uh, we had to spend 10, 12 hour days creating video tutorials for them, creating all their usernames and passwords, calling them over and over again to make sure they were logged in because the priority was compliance and making sure that all these kids were in the system. Um, and that was extremely overwhelming, trying to figure out even just like whether or not I should give them my cell phone number. And then knowing that like if I did like, that would be on my personal like phone. And then, you know, thinking through all these things that I've never had to think about, like using my own laptop, figuring out Zoom, and then now not having to use Zoom, like being banned from using Zoom. There were just all these things that could have been prevented had the mayor and the chancellor had any foresight on what remote learning might've looked like. Um, the fact that my school was giving out uh, laptops, like their own laptops to students um, with the likelihood that, you know, those laptops will either break or never be returned to the school is just a big reality for um, schools and they're going to lose out on that technology for the next few years. Um, and, you know, just thinking about all of that is just crazy making and infuriating, frankly, that teachers bore the whole brunt of making this remote learning work with no thanks from the mayor for a very long time. Um, and just having conflicting expectations because there was no plan from the top in the first place was just completely overwhelming, infuriating, disrespectful and demoralizing. Yeah, I mean, it has been, um, I'm curious how, you know, obviously, I don't feel the support, obviously, from our government. Um, how supported were you from your administration during this? My principal was actually pretty uh, supportive. I think uh, they led, you know, they were just like, do what's best by your students. Um, you know them best. So there was trust there. Um, also, like, none of this remote learning would work if we didn't already teach our students for seven months like trying to do this without knowing our students and preparing them for this would never have worked, you know, because we wouldn't have known about our students' families' difficulties. We wouldn't have had the buy-in and trust from parents. We wouldn't have had the buy-in and trust from students. Um, and so I'm really grateful that, you know, we've been able to figure it out and be trusted with that. But at the same time, you know, for the first, two weeks, it was just 10 to 12 hour days nonstop trying to help students do tech support, trying to help my fellow colleagues do tech support, trying to learn a whole new platform, trying to learn how to screencast and video record my own lessons, uh, finding different things to plan, uh, making sure my students were okay. Um, you know, having some semblance of what attendance might be. Um, it was just completely chaotic and 
I still don't feel like I'm in my groove or the routine. Um, I, I feel like I know a little bit better on how to like post assignments and, you know, maybe use Google Classroom for grading, but then the next questions come, what is grading? Do these grades count? What does feedback look like? And I'm, I'm giving feedback because my students are owed feedback and that helps them. But what counts right now? And to me, what counts is to be with my students and to make sure they're okay through all this um, and foster like days where we have live chats just to talk to each other. And is that happening for you now? Are you having days where you can just talk to them or do you feel pressure that it has to be all academic all the time? I'm not. Uh, super pressured to make it all academic. I think, you know, like teaching is 80% relationships. Yeah. You can't, you can't teach unless the kids have buy-in from you. Like, you know, I think I heard somewhere, like, how many of you have, like, hated a teacher and what did you learn from that teacher? And you probably don't remember a thing from that teacher. Um, so just remembering, right, like, we have lost so much connection. Um, and literally internet connection is not a possibility for a number of my students. So just so calling is, in and texting many, every day. Yeah. So how many, how many are you getting on when you're doing your live chats? Like how are you, how many, and how many are you not getting? About? So I have, uh, 12 students. I'm a special education teacher. So, um, we have a smaller class size. Thank goodness. I don't know how I would do this right now if I had more than 12. I know a lot of my colleagues are just constantly making phone calls to every single student um and you know because i have 12 like and i know enough spanish and chinese to get by with uh, the parents you know i've actually been on a text basis with all of them uh using my google voice number so i have a little bit of separation um for my personal number um and right now i think about seven are getting on every day every time we have a chat we only do a chat like twice a week because I know, well, I also have seven related service providers servicing my class. So um, I just got back um, everyone's schedules yesterday. So I had to plan the chats around them. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to bombard my students with too many chats because then uh, that would be too much um, given different family situations. Um, but I did want the kids to see each other's faces and just to make jokes and you know, actually ask questions and all of that. Um, I haven't used it yet, um, live, uh, you know, video chatting for teaching. It's primarily been to check in like, hey, we just lost our spring break. Um, how do you feel about that? Hey, we, um, you know, something happened with this student and that student gave me permission to tell you that X, Y, and Z happened. Um, and then to talk about it as a class. Yeah. Um, that's been really, I think, really important and something the kids really look forward to right now. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't been pushing academics because um, on those live video chats, that is, because they just need each other. Yeah. Have, do they talk to you about how they're feeling? Like, do they talk? Yeah. What, what kind of things are they saying right now? Um, some, you know, are joking and being their regular selves. Like, when are we coming back? But then, you know, a lot of the questions are like, when are we coming back? Like, um, I really miss you. All of them, 100% of them say they miss school. Mm -hmm. um, even the ones who uh, said in the past that they always hated school and uh, didn't want to be at school, all of them 
a hundred percent of them miss school right now. I bet. I bet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think like some have been shy over the video chatting, so we're still getting used to how to video chat in the first place. Using Google Meet, you have to mute yourself. So that's also been kind of a learning thing for the kids. Um, and, you know, I, I've uh, been able to be like, hey, like, you know, one student at a time, and they've actually been very respectful of it um, because they want to hear each other. Um, but their feelings, you know, a lot of them are just bored at home. They haven't been outside since March 16th. Um, and they don't know what's happening in the outside world. So just, you know, my updates on just what's been happening in New York um, has been really helpful. Um, you know, talking about, you know, that there's an uncertainty of what's going to happen that, you know, I might not see you ever again because you're going off to middle school as fifth graders. That's so, that's like the, I feel like that's one of the most heartbreaking things is the fifth graders, the eighth graders, but especially the high schoolers. And like my, my niece is, it's her senior year of high school and she doesn't get to do a prom. She doesn't get to do a graduation. She doesn't get the senior trip. The fifth no. graders don't get their, their fifth grade trip. The eighth graders don't get their eighth grade trip, you know? know, and these are things that are just so important to childhood like we all have these childhood memories of these things yeah and your is your class is a fifth grade class mm -hmm. and the, so I just you know it just it breaks my heart that they don't get to see each other either and I just I, I wonder about the long-term damage this is this this is going to have on them mm -hmm. not being able to have that either well the way I talk to them about this is that this is a historic event this has not happened in over a hundred years, something to this level, um, that we're living through something that, you know, we're gonna remember for the rest of our lives. This has never happened to any of us adults. So we are uncertain, right? And just to even say out loud that I don't know what's going to happen um, means we can mourn together, you know? And, and that's been really important for the kids to hear, even though it's scary that, these are uncertain times and that we're only going to get through this together. Yeah. I mean, it takes a strong teacher like yourself to really, to have the empathy for, to really understand them and for them to be able to look at themselves through that. So, um, and so tell me, I know that there was an article recently that, that you were in about the coronavirus. Can you tell me a little bit about that article? Yeah, so I was interviewed by uh, Labor Notes, just talking about uh, just how the coronavirus has inflamed anti-Asian racism. Um, so uh, I've mentioned on the Moth Radio Hour, um, you can listen to the story by looking at my name, Annie Tan in the Moth, um, that I am related to a man named Vincent Chin. Uh, he was beaten to death uh, during the 1982 like Detroit recession an auto worker crisis where um, Japan and Japanese car companies were being blamed for the loss of uh, American uh, auto worker jobs. And so these two guys uh, who were auto workers looked at my cousin Vincent Chin, uh, thought he was Japanese and said, it's because of you people that we're out of work um, and beat him to death. And uh, Vincent Chin's death um, and murder 
led to a pan-Asian American movement where a lot of people who had previously identified by their ethnicity, like Japanese Americans, Korean Americans, Chinese Americans, they all came together under the term Asian American for the first time. Um, that led to just a new generation of Asian American activists. Um, and so I kind of spoke uh, toward my cousin's story and just how that relates to what's been happening around anti-Asian racism. Uh, as a resident of Chinatown, I have seen for the past two months, three months actually, of just xenophobia toward Chinatown, um, where um, it got to the point where businesses were closing even before New York City shut down because um, there wasn't enough business. There were noticeably less people in Chinatown um, and the businesses couldn't succeed in Chinatown. Um, because people weren't coming to Chinatown, um, people were scared, um, and unfortunately Donald Trump's uh, speeches calling the coronavirus a Chinese virus inflamed that racism to the point where a lot of people who look like me right now are being attacked on the streets. Um, there was one vicious attack where a man was sitting outside on a porch uh, waiting for a woman in front of her um, building. She went to throw out the garbage and he, he poured acid on her. Uh, and that was in Brooklyn. Um, so, you know, I was talking about um, just the rash of anti-Asian racism that's happening right now, how uh, different organizations and groups are fighting against it. So you can look that up uh, under my name, Annie Tan and the um, group Labor Notes. Okay. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable and it's um, what it's bringing up, not only about what's happening with Asian Americans, but just um, the disparity in terms of um, class and race and everything else that's happening, you know, right. about, because yeah. Most, most of Chinatown is working class here in Manhattan, you know, and most of us like who like, you know, I grew up here low income um, and working class, you know, and um, most of the people in Chinatown also are that, you know, working at uh, restaurateurs and laundry workers, uh, which are closed, by the way. I'm like hand washing laundry right now because uh, pretty much all the laundromats have closed. Oh, um, and so to think about um, just the devastation on Chinatown, I know that you know, everyone's been devastated. There's going to be an estimated 45 million people in America that are out of work soon. Um, Chinatown saw it first though, like three months ago. Um, and people are, you know, really, really hurting right now in Chinatown. Um, you know, there's been some campaigns like, oh, hey, support a Chinatown restaurant uh, and let's do some fundraising and do some bulk orders. Um, so that we can go feed essential workers at hospitals right now. So there have been some really uh, innovative and thoughtful campaigns to support our essential workers right now while also supporting Chinatown businesses. Yeah. I mean, um, I think I, it, it's bringing out, it, it brings out the worst, but it also brings out the best of people. And you are seeing like people doing incredible things, making masks, trying to get PPE for people. Yes. Um, what do you feel about like, I, I was talking at some point about teachers 
also being um, on the front lines mm-hmm. because, um, you know, we, we aren't hospital, you know, we aren't, we're, we're not right there in this, the coronavirus, but we've also lost 40 teachers um, mm-hmm. since this happened. And yep. I don't know if people quite understand like how much we've been on the front lines of things. Like, can you speak to that at all? Right. So March 13th, you know, de Blasio, Mayor Bill de Blasio still refused to close down, close down schools saying that one tenth of our public school students were homeless and that um, we needed a place for those students to go. When any, any thinking person could be like, hey, like we don't have to have 1.1 million students walk into school every day and 150,000 Department of Education staff all walk into schools every day when uh, Andrew Cuomo like said that there should be at most 50 people in a space. Um, you know, they, it, that's what I was getting at with the disrespect and demoralization that, you know, as Andrew Cuomo, our governor, was saying that we should have less and less people in spaces. The mayor was forcing New York City uh, public school staff uh, to come into work March 17th, 18th, and 19th yep. um, to schools. And I did not come in for two of those three days because I had a sore throat and I was scared of catching the coronavirus during a pandemic, which is so obvious. Like if we're doing remote learning, we can learn how to remote learn remotely i think i don't think i don't believe that there's one teacher out there that thought the three days were necessary at all not to come in anyway they were very necessary to do the work to show up in a school when the rest of the country was in quarantine but the only people who were not in quarantine were the teachers who had to go and it was a very scary three days because i was there for those three days and it was frightening. We were all like, we, we didn't have masks yet. We did not. We didn't know, ha- our we, schools don't have soap. Nope. We didn't have, no, because we didn't have the supplies, you know? And so it was just, it was frightening. And, um, you know, I just wonder, I can't help but wonder with the, with all these casualties about like, if anybody was affected during that time. I like, guarantee someone was. And we will never be able to prove it because we're in a pandemic, of course. But having, what, 50 or 100 staff members maybe in a room at once, thank goodness my principal didn't do that. But I'm sure there were other schools where that did happen and there wasn't social distancing. Or, like, you were in a windowless room and that uh, breathing was allowed to spread. Any, any little thing like that could have caused it. Um, it's very scary and it felt like we were being thrown away Yeah, as teachers. It really did. Yeah, I think it was like one of the times where I felt that we really didn't matter. I mean, it, I, I, I felt that before. It was the reason why I did my documentary because I felt like um, <laughs> that we are just, you know, we don't have a voice in any of this. That, mm-hmm. And that I feel like teachers really need to have a voice in this to hear like what we have gone through and what, you know, and the amount of, uh, the amount of uh, ways that we are putting ourselves on the line every day for the care of our students. We're not just doing it because of a paycheck 
No. Or we have great vacations. Well, those were gone anyway, anyway. So, you know, but. Um, and then, and then. And to assume that all teachers are in the same position where they're just going to martyr themselves. I'm very lucky, as I said earlier, to not live with my elderly parents right now. But that is not the case for many, many of my colleagues that are taking care of elderly relatives. Um, and who could possibly spread the virus to those people or catch it themselves and pass away, um, which now it's 50 DOE staff, by the way, that have passed. It's 50. Um, as of yet. 50. It's not all teachers, but it's disproportionately affecting paraprofessionals. I saw that. Uh, yeah, so that is very scary and it's senseless. You know, the productivity of this remote learning uh, crisis, uh, distance learning is senseless. And the going into school those three days was very much senseless. And I, I am very like scared to see the numbers when all of this is done. Um, I really do think this spread because the mayor and the chancellor did not close schools earlier and made teachers go into work. Yeah. So, um, on a, so on a separate note, I mean, this has all just been so hard. Has there been anything inspirational for you, like anything within remote learning that you that that really stood out for you as just something that really made you feel good? It's mm -hmm. hard. It's like I feel like we have to find yeah. those feel good moments because oh, for sure, everything is so heavy and deep and hard that mm -hmm. we have we have to grasp onto the good things. And I'm curious if you've had any experiences that mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So. I feel like the big thing is just being with our students, like just being like, I remember the first day we did our Zoom chat, now banned, but I did do that Zoom chat. And like, as soon as I heard their voices, but also like matched the video to their faces, like I just started tearing up, like even just that Tuesday, you know, the first of those three days on March 17th, when schools had closed and I called every single one of my students' parents. Um, and then the, just the kid, you could hear the kids' voices light up. They're like, hi, Miss Tan, you know, and they, they were like expecting the phone call because they had heard from like other, uh, you know, friends or like cousins or something that like the teachers were all calling. Um, just, just getting to hear their voices, um, you know, and just like it, it, it sounded like a sense of relief for both of us, like that our relationship can continue even though all of this is crazy yeah. um you know and i i honestly think like these these students i mean honestly like i i will say this about my eight years teaching this is my favorite group of students um and they were um i know i'm not supposed to say that but <laughs> I've, I've i've looped with these students you know and like i've just seen them grow so much um and to also have this group, like it, it was this group that I'm going through this with. It is, it is such a blessing because they are so caring about each other. We've created such a great community where, you know, like there, you know, if there's bullying, we actually will spend a period talking about it and being like, why, like, you know, hurt people hurt people. Um, just even being able to say that language around the word consent teaching those things to the kids that they're going to take away for their whole lives like and seeing the kids take that in and actually use that language and you know empathize with their fellow students um it is it's just been such a blessing to be with this particular group of students and i think all the teachers 
um, really feel like this is why we're here. We're doing this for the kids, but we are not going to be martyrs. You know, we have our own families and our own lives. We're not going to die for this. Literally during a pandemic. There's teachers who did die for this. Yes. Gave their lives. Oh, yeah. It's obvious that you're such a wonderful teacher. I mean. Oh, thank you, Karen. I I get so emotional about it because I, I just, I'm talking to these teachers and like every single teacher cares so deeply about their students. Like I haven't met one teacher who was like, not like, I just want to make sure the students are okay. Mm-hmm. But it's so true at the same time is that we have to take care of ourselves and we yeah. have to do things that fulfill ourselves and that we should not have to die for our job. And no. I totally agree with that. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm very grateful for teachers like you, um, thank you. that are out there. And I just, and for you too. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I mean, for all of us, but, um, I also just, I just encourage you to keep, you know, keep, keep, keep putting your voice out there. You're a wonderful storyteller. You're a thank fantastic you. activist and do not, do not stay silent. You know, the most important thing right now is that, that we speak up, we, um, we speak our truth to power and, you know, we protect our students and we protect ourselves and people understand that people have uh, an idea of like who we are and what we actually are doing. So, um, and on that note, I I, I just, yeah. I was just going to say one last thing that like, I was talking to someone about it yesterday, like during my big 1am cry, I was talking with my boyfriend and I was just like, I just feel invisible right now. I feel like teachers are completely invisible. Um, and to just not be seen for, like before, like, you know, people understood what teachers did, thank a teacher, all that. But now like to, you know, all my friends who are working from home, like it, it was almost a seamless transition because they've done it before. You don't, we've never done teaching like this before. This this has been like a 180 shift of what our jobs are. And just to acknowledge that and to be kind to ourselves right now um, during this like very invisible change, like is really necessary. So thank you for uplifting us right now and for giving us a voice in the first place. And I hope that other people hear this and, you know, understand that we're trying our best and, you know, we need everyone's help right now, like as a community. Thank goodness for our communities, our families, and our students um, who are all working together to try to get through this. Um, really, like I would have quit otherwise. Yeah. Thank goodness for for that too. Thank goodness for our communities, and I'm I'm just grateful for the teachers around me who have inspired me so much. So anyway, Annie Tan, thank you so much for being part of the Warriors of Education podcast. And it's, um, it's just been a pleasure talking to you. And I wish you all the luck, health and safety and joy that you can find during this pandemic. Thank, thank you, you, Karen. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.